Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help is out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. Today's guest is a postnatal care specialist and author of the book, The Mommy Plan. Please welcome to the show, Valerie Lynn. Welcome, Valerie. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so excited um, to talk with you today. Um, You have this amazing international expertise and experience that I have not been able to touch on um, in my podcast yet. So I'm, I'm really excited to have you on today. And I always love to have my guests start out with kind of their personal experience and how they got into this field of work. So wherever you feel comfortable kind of starting um, to share that story with us, we'd love to hear it. My story is I went overseas in my 20s. And I lived in five different countries, Japan, um, London, Australia, Indonesia, and Malaysia. And when I was in Japan for the first five years, I did a lot of travel in Southeast Asia and fell in love with it. So then I did my graduate work, went to London, and I specialized in economic development of Southeast Asia, went back to Malaysia and was a strategic business consultant. And then I met now my ex-husband and, you know, got pregnant. I always say my son was made in Malaysia and born um, in America, in New Jersey. And then we moved back when he was three months old to Malaysia. This was, he was born May, 2007. We went back August, 2007. A month later, I was offered the position of executive director of the American Chamber of Commerce out there, representing the American business community in Malaysia. And you had companies on my board, like Pfizer and McDonald's and Boeing and Citibank and so forth and oil. So it was a very high profile position. It was wonderful. It was right. You know, I really enjoyed it. And, but about a month after I took the position, I, I started experiencing what I self-diagnosed as postpartum anxiety and OCD. I didn't know what was exactly happening. But I knew I was having these intrusive thoughts that were not normal. And I had a clean, quote, mental health history. And in Malaysia, which not many people know about, they have the lowest, the country that has the lowest rates of postpartum mood disorders in the world at 3%. And that's not a coincidence. It has to do with the postnatal protocol that I'll get into. So no one spoke about it. Here we have... People have always, you know, psychologists that specialize in it. Everyone talks about it. It's everywhere there. No one really talks about it. And even now, which I'm postpartum support international country coordinator for Malaysia for 12 years now, it's, it's just starting to gain some traction. 
on a, on a more of a, a grassroots level, which are which we are grassroots here. So I know when to talk to, I know when to look at, I know when to, so my poem was born in May, 2007, May, 2008, a year to the month reading Mother's Day articles out of America, the penny dropped and I realized that's what I had. And I had thoughts of, um, you know, just accidentally hurting my baby or killing my son or just tripping or it was just all that anxiety. And so the OCD comes in because you do repetitive behaviors to make sure it's okay, that the door is locked, that I'm going down the stairs safely. Um, you know, so you do that. And so that was happening. And it was just um, very hard to function going back, new mom, new job. So then I knew like right then at the computer, I knew that same moment, I was like, okay, I know Malaysia has um, you know, these specific actions, what you do and foods and services. And so let me see what the rates of postpartum mood disorders were in Malaysia. Because the states they were saying was only 15 to 20% at that time. So I'm like, what's Malaysia? Malaysia pops up, boom, like 3%. 2.9%. I'm like, wait, what? So I was like, wow, what are they doing? And I just went deep. And that day I took out, you know, postnatal spa package and I went to a spa, but it's, it's more like a medi spa that does all of that. And I went to my local, just, um, you know, fresh market and, you know, the morning market. And I bought the herbs that are used that are sold there menses and after birth and I had the wrapping and I followed the food guidelines and foods and in about three months two to three months I rebalanced you know I rebalanced myself naturally and it was just like okay it was so for me to have a corporate background I was like okay you can do follow this I had a plan I kind of put it together and I could follow it what 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 could impact postnatal my postnatal anatomy and because it's a very unique state that is prolonged in our in our society because we don't have these guidelines for healing so it perpetuates the say perpetuates the hormonal imbalance and we don't know just by living and our lifestyle and our habits that it, it that this is this is actually hurt, hurting us it's hurting breast milk production and the recovery and the loss of the water fat and flatulence that our body no longer needs that just turns to fat we're just it's a constant disruption of our healing and um i always people say well why malaysia what's weird about malaysia i'm like you know in this world you know i'll say we say japan does sushi germany does cars we america does innovation this is malaysia's thing it does and contributes to the world is the afterbirth recovery for mothers. And, and it's very unique because if you go back, I'm an economic uh, developmental economist by study. So I love economics and development of cultures and society. So if you go way back to the spice trade and when they were going around, you know, in the boats from England to China and back uh, and just through um, the colonial period, you know, the, the Chinese and the Indians were brought through the spice trade and through the com Commonwealth, you know, England, um, the United Kingdom to Malaysia all, and all different cultures are like sprinkled. And so what developed in Malaysia were the, the primary cultures are Malay, which is um, indigenous, the Chinese and the Indian. So you have two of the best known postnatal recovery protocols, Indian and the Chinese, 
coupled with the third, which is the most holistic that I've come across in the world thus far um, in my research, the Malay. So you have this combination, this winning trifecta of these cultures and the blend that it's, I always say, my, tell my friends, you're just so spoiled. You don't understand, you don't get it. <laughs> and, you, and so it, this is, so the whole, this, the combination of the cultures, I call it the Malaysian postnatal protocol because it is a combination and it's, it's so holistic and specific and it's been vetted, you know, for thousands of years and it's really wonderful. And once you go through this, the moms that go through this, that you'll, you've never been taken care of so wonderful in your life with, you know, massages and abdominal wrappings and care for the perineum and the body and food and nourishing and, and specific guidelines to rest and, you know, not even engaging in negativity because they have a whole very, you know, unique and holistic perspective, traditional um, postnatal care in general. Um, so, and, and it's a designated down period, time period. The Malays do 44 days, Chinese 30, and the Indians go roughly go about 30, 30 to 40, depends on, you know, which subculture they're, they're part of. And so, and it's not objected. It's, it's like a rite of passage for women. Um, men don't try to fight it or, you know, uh, question it because it's supported by the culture. So it's really wonderful. Wow. That is, I love that. Um, that's really, really interesting. And I'm curious to know how many, um, how many practitioners or, you know, people involved with pregnant and postpartum women or typically probably postpartum women are adapting these types of traditions in the United States? Um, it's, it, it's like a really sub grassroots yeah. <laughs> effort on our part and people, people are wanting it. They're like, how do I recover? What can I do? You know, we have to get back to work. And I think it's even more important here because we lack the nuclear family. Most of the time now we have to get back to work. So we have to work. Um, and we don't have this help. So I think it's even more important, but women are wanting it, but they're, it's there, but they don't know what they're looking for. So I teach, um, I also want to mention this one thing, cause I love the Malaysian government and I've been affiliated with them for many, many years, probably since 2006. And I just want to say they, they, the part of their maternal health care policy is they, um, each woman, mother, that gives person that gives birth in a public hospital is allotted six free two hour body treatments, massages, and wrapping. So it's six free two hour body massages, um, treatments, and wrappings starting targeting day five after childbirth by starting by day seven and finishing by day 44. They, this is part of their maternal healthcare policy and the private hospitals don't have that for their clients. So that always, I just love telling people that. Yeah. I mean, how do you think that, I mean, how does it, how does it become part of the culture? I mean, I think, you know, it's likely, you know, it'd be great if it would happen here in this, in the United States, but I mean, how does something like that just become part 
of the culture? Like what is the background and history of that, that it's just that maternal piece was, was put, you know, on a really high standard that this is what we have to do for women after they've given birth. Where does that come from? How does that, how does that even happen? Well, I mean, this you're going back to just the essence and the part of the culture. It's just, it's, I don't even know how far back this can go, which is part of their traditional feminine healthcare. And that's what I call this. Their traditional feminine healthcare is very strong there. Uh, herbal based and supplemented with, you know, Eastern medicine. In our country, it's been lost over two to three generations because the medicalization of birth and seemingly taking birth out of the home and into the hospital for very good reasons at the time, if you watch some movies and some historical documentaries, but it just became easy. And so that women to women care was, was lost because when I interview, even now, you know, grandmothers and older people and older nurses, they'd be like, yes, you know, we used to take hot water bottles and put them in, you know, into the, um, the beds of the moms with their feet to warm the body and do this and that. So things have been lost. They were here, but it was overridden with uh, the male dominance of the medical community and taking, taking the birth out of the, the home. That seems to be the two big factors that came to the wayside for, for us. Um, yeah, and things like, you know, for the feminist movement, which of course, you know, I would never change a thing, but just having to do everything and we can do everything and sure we can. And I can do everything, but I want help. I want help sometimes too when I need it. So yeah, that's absolutely. also a factor for us. Yeah, there is yeah. just part of the culture that got sh- that, that just was never diminished. Yeah, wow, that's so interesting, and it makes sense, you know, taking taking the birth out of the home and making it a more medical experience than you know what it is when it's done at home. Um, certainly, I would I would be fair to say that that is probably a turning point um, for that. Wow. So the book, the mommy plan. Um, who's this book for who, who, like, you know, who's the audience if, um, you know, if they're interested in some of the things that they're hearing today, is this the book that they need to get? Definitely. When I wrote it, I was in Malaysia and I was introducing, I represent a line of uh, herbal postnatal products here. And when I was still in Malaysia, I had all these people ask me for interviews and to write articles. So I said, okay, I got to write a book for the mainstream mom that she can understand. So it has some, you know, some postnatal, um, you know, anatomy. So it's like the, the, the philosophy behind, uh, behind these practices and why they're coming back and why they are, have been sustained. And then a bit of the postnatal science, the anatomy and how it helps. And that healing window of opportunity after birth, which virtually starts within hours after the placenta is birthed, you know, when that, that kicks in the body kicks in. So it's for, and now, now it really was interesting because when I wrote it, I just wrote it for that mainstream mom, but it's become um, known in the, in the, like the doula world, some nursing who are interested in it because postpartum support international has it and on their websites, resources like um, Kappa childbirth and postpartum doula association um, practitioner association. It's been one of their resources for postpartum doulas for a long, long time. And now it's also used for new parent educator because it's 
if I wasn't in Malaysia, we don't just don't have this information here. And so we have like my situation overseas was just, you know, the universe super unique that allowed me to understand it. And because I am who I am with, you know, I need to know things. You know, I, so I wrote it for, with a Western perspective, but we got it. We just can't be told, do this, just go wrap, go eat warm things. I'm not why. So I reverse engineered their practices and I put the science, the food science and the anatomy behind it. And that makes a big difference with my clients and people who read it when like, oh, okay, I understand it now. But then they have to, and I made it simple to um, adapt into their, their recovery, their, the first six to eight weeks. And then if not, when, if you're past that six to eight week, when that's, there's the natural active, see the Malaysian protocol is, is managing the active revision of the effects of pregnancy when the body is releasing the water fat and flatulence at a very fast rate. So I've done different research on the rates of the metabolism increase seven to uh, seven to 10 times higher than normal. Wow. And so, um, and so, so they actually um, harness that and manage it. If you're past that stage, I, I believe it just from my research and just, you know, firsthand experience and, and with mom's secondhand experience with clients that this is, this window is not totally gone, stopped after the six to eight weeks, but it's harder, but the, but the imbalance of hormones is there. And so with the imbalance, there is an opportunity to definitely get yourself back on track, but you have to be a bit more serious, but more strict and no, this is, this is your time that it can, it can, you know, affect positively affect your breast milk production and just handling those overnight, you know, the baby in the middle of the night and your energy levels. If we understand it and invest a little bit of our time effort um, into, um, yeah, helping ourselves. Right. Yeah. And I, I had read that the last chapter of the book is called the daddy's plan. Um, but you, you make note in the book that the entire book should be handed over to dad to read as well. <laughs> um, so why is that so important? I mean, a dad might be like, oh, why do I have, you know, why do I have to read this? It's even titled the mommy plan. I'm not the mommy, right? I'm the daddy. So, so what's the benefits of them, you know, taking on reading this book too? Again, it goes back to like in Malaysia and other, you know, traditional cultures, more conservative cultures. Um, well, in Malaysia, I should say, um, the dads uh, don't question. And they, we have support of the family and the services, you have the product, you have the human resource to provide it. Here, we need dads to help. We need the partner to help. So the daddy plan is the third, third like the last chapter. It's the 13th chapter. And it, it's like, it's a condensed version of the whole book. So dad doesn't have to read the whole book. It's just like the cliff notes. It's got, has dad comments in it. Um, I got a lot of like male influence in it and words and vocabulary and terminology that dad's like, oh, okay. And I, and I love when a mom writes me and, and, and it says, I gave this book to my husband. It's our second child. And he's like, wow, I, I still learned something. So we need them to, to help us, to, for them. I always try to tell dads, you help the mom, you're helping yourself right <laughs> and so because it's very stressful and they get stressed and they don't know what to do so dads can play and partners can be, play a really big role 
but they got to know what to do. And from that healing perspective. Right. Exactly. I mean, they play such an important part in that um, more so than I think a lot of dads probably think. Um, and again, I think mm. it's just that, that culture here that just doesn't include um, them. And that's apparent in so many ways. Um, it's I so do funny because I was going to say, it's just the, the most undervalued resource during this time when they're usually the, you know, the primary type of resources. You know. <laughs> exactly. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it like that, yeah, it's, that's so interesting. Um, I am such a foodie. I love food. And so I know you also have a cookbook. Um, so talk a little bit about your cookbook. Uh, the cookbook came about, it's called the mommy plan recipe book, healing meals, simple recipes for new moms. So with the idea that moms can prepare, but also simple things in case dads or partners, um, they don't know what to do. And you can't, if someone's not good in the kitchen, you can't make them an overnight chef. So it's what I did was I took the, I took the, um, the ingredients, um, the diet do's and don'ts, um, you know, there's uh, 13 or 14 of them, what to eat, what not to eat. And I put food science behind them and I figured out what, how they work in the body and what they're doing, because this is really, truly when, um, food is medicine and it helps heal the body. And I want to just give a little, little, a little quick tidbit where, why this is important. So when we are, our bodies are functioning normally, the digestive circulation and metabolism are primary. They're the primary function of the body. However, when we give birth, they become secondary and the postpartum functions of breast milk production, releasing the water, fat and flatulence um, become, uh, become primary. So that's what, uh, and, and hormonal rebalancing. So it's hormonal rebalancing, breast milk production, and releasing the retained elements of the water factors become primary. So that is why, because it, it's, a, you know, pregnancy is a natural state, birth is a natural event, but it's a natural shock to the body. And this is how the body adjusts. And so those digestive circulation metabolism become secondary. That's why it slows down. They stall. So, and they will catch up over time, over a few weeks, but that's just what the body's gonna focus on with a finite amount of energy in our body. So we need the circulation, stimulation and warming properties of recipes and food that help this process. So think like, so foods, so I took the food science and I applied it. I adapted it for a Western diet and lifestyle. And so I tried to take popular recipes too and postpartumize them right <laughs> you know you know for for a, a mom and you know simplify them yeah and what a great thing for like a great way for for dad to contribute um you know to learn these recipes and kind of be, be that person who can provide those meals um for her let's that's wonderful. I love that. I think, I think actually anytime I have an author on, I always, I always end up saying, you know, these would be like such great books to like, you know, to give us like that baby shower gift, you know, or, or whatever it is, just this great resource of, uh, knowledge, you know, onesies and cute outfits are amazing, but, you know, giving them <laughs> something like this to be able to, to utilize and use is always seems to be, um, seems to be missed. And so I always suggest that almost every author I've, I've talked to on my podcast, I always suggest get the book, you know, for new parents <laughs> or even parents that are on, you know, number two or three. Um, you know, it's, it's just always such a great thing. I and always like, my, go ahead. Yeah. I, mean, I, I made perfect. these books small. 
too. They're like, you know, 35 recipes. The other one is more because because when the moms are in the education period, they're buying a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they hardly read cover to cover. And so like the recipe book, for example, is breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, hot beverages, um, you know, and also water also different for, for water, because that's also very important, but we've got to remember water, for example, is just a diuretic. It takes out, takes out, brings nothing in. Right. And there's different principles about consuming water during this period too, when the body is waterlogged and it's trying to shed. So there's all these different principles that, you know, I, I, I try to explain. Yeah. I think that's, I, it's so cool. I, I love it. And I, so giving cookbooks is like one of my things for like the holidays. I love giving cookbooks as gifts. Um, so I always suggest to people like get a cookbook and get a cute little basket and throw the dry ingredients in there for one of the recipes, bookmark it with a cute little bookmark. And I mean, that's something you could do for a new mom, um, you know, for a gift or, or anything, um, you know, just something different, you know, right. That's to bring a cute idea. I even like that. I might take that. This Isn't that so fun? Oh, yes. I, I, I have so many cookbooks and I'm like, Oh, you just, you can even like write the recipe on a nice recipe card. But yeah, I, I do that for, you know, housewarming gifts or if I'm going to anyone's house, it doesn't have to be a huge cookbook. It can be just something really small, mm, little basket with the dry ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> I am a foodie. So I, <laughs> most of my gifts circle around food uh, of some sort. So um, so Valerie, I always love to allow my guests to kind of, you know, close out the show with what, you know, whatever tidbit of information you think our, our, uh, listeners, um, should hear. So do you have anything you'd like to end on? Yes. Um, mom should start to look, start to consider their recovery, um, from week, I would say like week 20, week 20 to 25 in Asia, week 20, they have everything set for, for the recovery. And know that it starts earlier. It can start from day one, very gently, you know, with a feminine herbal wash. This has to be um, more mainstream in the United States. And if you start earlier, know what's happening, listen to your body and make a plan with with the correct person or people organization that is really familiar with it. Then the quality time with their newborn will be like tenfold. Because that's another thing, you know, we have all these long uh, maternity leaves, which corporates are now shortening them and giving in lieu of money, though. They're giving money for the daycare because women are not coming back balanced. And and, and and it's because it's an unplanned, it's, it's an, it's a random recovery, not a planned one. Yeah. And so that's why I do, I've done corporate lunch and learn at Johnson & Johnson and other places. And it's uh, it just the penny drops like, oh yeah, you know, so I've took me so long to figure this out, but start early, start planning. And for six to eight weeks, less is more, I promise you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to put links to the mommy plan and the cookbook and where everyone can find those um, and more information about you and what you do. So Valerie, thank you so much for taking time out today to, um, to share with us your expertise. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Jen. You're very welcome. It's great to be here. <laughs>